back to Uptown Drama. Yeah, we did it. Um, why are we so happy? We're so happy because I we wonder. finished a show. Oh, also, yes. Oh, my God. It's November 9th. Ah, everybody breathe a sigh of relief. I'm, I'm sorry if this is not a sigh of relief for you. I truly, truly am. But I think it's going to get better. Um, anyway, uh, who are we talking to today, Jeff? What are we doing? The fabulous Amanda West, uh, lighting designer, set designer, production manager, all around cool person that I've known for years and years and years. And Claudia, our sound engineer. Hi, Claudia. Hello. Hi, Amanda. Hello. We've talked about Claudia before. Claudia started out as our intern. Uh, kind of like did everything there for a while and then has kind of just been brought into the fold as like our default sound engineer and and sound designer for stuff that's been happening. And we've just been talking a lot to actors and playwrights during this time. And we thought, let's talk to some designers also and see how they've been holding up. And I really wanted to talk to people who who designing for theater or just designing is their primary job. Um, it would be easy to get a designer who also has a secure college professor job maybe. Um, but I really wanted to talk to people who like depend on this as their main way of not only expressing their artistry, but also actually making a living. Um, so, how are you holding up? <laughs> Who wants to go first? You go first, Amanda. Okay. Well, I don't. I don't quite fit the the mold of what you're you're asking for. I don't do. I do have a stable job, and I have been one of the lucky ones, I guess, mm -hmm. who's been able to continue to work during this chaos. It doesn't feel lucky every day. Um. Um. I have worked as a lighting designer as my only job before, less so in the last several years, though. Um, but it's really okay. similar. What's your What's your title? Uh, and when, where do you work, Amanda? For, my, for my my regular job, I am the director of production at the AT and T Culinary Center. Yeah. So, um, which has also been hit as hard as every. But I mean, that is related because it's like your job is to be the manager and director of, of production. Yes. So I mean, I absolutely work in the industry every day of my life, just not always as a designer every day, but yes. Right. Um, so yeah. And it, fact, it feels like it's been a hundred years. Uh, the longest year <laughs> ever. <laughs> Um, so, so aside from like, because I know for a fact that the theater center, which runs out of the Wiley, um, you know, had to cancel a lot of their stuff. Right. Um, and how much, how much other stuff, like were there, how many groups that were coming through the the AT&T Performing Arts Center had to like postpone or cancel or can you give us a number like what has that been like? If I had to if I had took the time to like count I would be devastated. Um, it's 
I mean, it was everything um, from, I, I had to like take stock and actually think back to the last show that was in one of our houses um, the other day, which was over at the Wiley American Mariachi was about to open um, mm -hmm. and was in tech. Um, the opera was loading in over at um, the Windsphere and uh, the, the first tour we had coming was Alvin Ailey was on their way. Like they had bought the plane tickets and were about to come. Um, so every, absolutely everything since then it got canceled. So that was all of the opera, all of the Broadway, all of the dance, all of the everything. So, um, so that was in my, in my day job life, what, got canceled but then you know in my design life um I had I mean I have to kind of back up to 2019 a little bit where I had just come off like my busiest design year of my life mm -hmm. <laughs> um I had done seven shows in 12 months which was a lot um and had the way I book up I'm usually all booked up for the whole next year. So I was already booked up for 2020 telling myself I was not going to do that many shows ever again in my life. I only had five. <laughs> I only had five lined up. So I got to do my first one in January and was well into um, pre-production stuff for Elephant Man at Theater 3 when um, the world stopped turning. And, you know, just one by one they're all gone so um that's been pretty interesting watching all my tech reminders pop up every once in a while on my calendar for long gone shows so but i know that's what everybody is seeing right now too so yeah it's uh, i mean it's difficult and i, I mean i want to i'm going to ask claudia the same question but like we're on you and claudia are on different ends like you and me like we're on different ends because like we i had a really 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 busy few two years right before everything started and yeah and my year was already booked up and i was being careful um and then everything fell through and it just seems like oh man i'm i'm reaching the point in my career where i know i'm gonna have work i know i just need to schedule it and i can pick and choose right to suddenly no there's nothing there and it's kind of devastating it's yeah yeah super sad and for claudia who's just like who's just starting her career um what what was it what i mean what was it like for you for everything to just shut down like did did looking forward to prospects and stuff like that yeah it was uh i mean it, like it sucked so bad like i had I was so excited after Funny You Don't Act Like a Negro because I was like, it's my first professional production, like sound design production. This is so awesome. And then everything just stopped. And then I had like gotten a call and it was like, hey, junior players might be doing a thing in August. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Like, great. And then that fell through. And then it was, you know, the prospects of doing anything for the rest of 2020 and into 2021, I was like, cool so how do I in a new you know in a new city where I only know people 
you know, I only know like theater three people really. I'm like, how do I, how do I start to work? Like I got, I mean, you know, I'm lucky enough that I've got a church job that pays well, that they've been continuing to do stuff through all of this, but you know, getting creative work isn't, I mean, with, it came from theater three. I was like, oh, I can do a thing. This is great. <laughs> Cause it's just, and what a thing you did. Oh man, what a thing. And that was, I mean, that one, it, and that was so fun because it wasn't, you know, it, it, it was so different that, um, that after having kind of no creative things to have this like really new, more challenging creative thing felt really good. And now I'm kind of slumping back into the, okay, well, what, what's the next, what do I try to figure out? What do I do for the next, you know, foreseeable future? But you're like, I'm, you're teaching a class at Booker T, right? Yeah, I teach are a props you? class. Oh, are, <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> that's fantastic. How and yeah. how are you enjoying that? Um, it's. I mean, it's good because it's. Uh, it's definitely probably one of the biggest challenges I've ever done because I'm not. You know, I didn't. I didn't go to school for props. I you know did like itty bitty prop things <laughs> in in college and then props for for you guys at theater three that were like what is it you did dracula right yeah i did dracula. dracula and you did you were amazing but i remember at the end of that show which was like for some reason so many props i wonder whose fault that is um <laughs> you were like i'm never gonna do props yeah i i was like i will never do props ever again this was awful there are too many things my brain doesn't work this way and then you know that the, the opportunity to teach at Booker T came to me and I was like well I, I like can't like it was it was one of those things that it's like it was too much money to say no to at this point in like right. these things that I was like I'll I will figure it out I've got a friend who's been doing it who like I mean she's been teaching props online for like since the summer and I was like hey I, I'm going to have to teach props online, at least partially. What have you been doing? Cause I have ideas. Like I just did, I just had them do a blood project because I was like, I had like dug through emails looking for like the blood recipes that Issa used for Dracula. And I was like, <laughs> we're doing blood. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the, like the dirty secrets at theater three. Cause like for years, um, when they would hire uh, apprentices and interns, no one would mention the fact that if you came to work at Theater 3, you were going to be plunged into prop making. Um, it's it's and then, wild. But, but now we sort of just like casually like, yeah. say what, Christy? I was plunged into prop making. <laughs> like I, my first artistic job as associate artistic director at theater three was to do props for of all shows noises off which is a nightmare you and volunteered for that you <laughs> said, well, nobody else but nobody else was doing it so like that's what you do i mean that's who we are at theater three it's like all right i guess i'll do it because everybody was kind of like oh we didn't get a prop person and i was like all right that's not how we operate y'all we're very good but well, this time we were like, who's going to do props? And I was like, I'll do it, I guess, because nobody raised their hand. And then I was making 50 sardines, like, for the rest of my life. Um, well, let me, because, you know, uh, Amanda brought up Elephant Man and Claudia you brought up Junior Players. Both of those shows, actually, I was supposed to scenic design. Um, and, uh, like, one of the, the re 
you know, some design jobs are plug and play. They're lights up, lights down shows. They're play some furniture. Exactly. There's give me a door opening sound cue like that. And then there's the ones that get really inventive. And that's where we were headed with, um, with Elephant Man. So it was really sad because we had a really amazing design concept. Um, but I bring those shows up because the other, one of the things that, that no one I think has talked about too much um, that really hurts us is, you know, because we're all social animals and we develop these friendships working with one another. Amanda and I have known each other now for, gosh, um, a, a long time. But because we're all busy, you don't see each other or talk to each other until you get on a project. Mm -hmm. And we've all lost that now. Mm -hmm. And even if we do have a project, we don't get to be in person. How, I mean, has that, what's that doing to y'all? Um, well, as I, am I still here? Yeah. You're there. Okay, sorry, my computer had a notification pop up. Um, I wasn't kidding about the getting a therapist part. <laughs> um, it's it's been rough. I mean, theater people are the only people I I know in a lot of ways, and um, it became really clear that my hobby is work also so like it's the only thing that I did and so um yeah not not seeing a lot of people has been really difficult um the the other flip side of this now that you know I'm it's it's really nice to to see all the digital offerings that people are making and I watch tons of them I listen to this podcast seeing what other people are able to do that I can't participate in is painful to watch too, you know, um, but other people are finding a way and I feel like I just cannot contribute. There's nothing to be done and it's, and it's totally understandable, you know, but that's the way a lot of companies are having to go. They're having to use their staff to be designers. They're having to do things um, like that. And I don't, the biggest fear I have is when are we going to be valuable enough to come back um, in the economy of all this situation? Because um, when I think about, I was booked up for 2020. I don't see myself coming back in 2021. I don't know if I'm gonna be back in 2022. Like, I don't know when that happens again. So that, is even more foreboding than anything. And then when do I see these people ever again? Or when it does come back, how many of us are gonna be left that are still in the industry? Um, that's been a hard pill to swallow. It's, and with no creative outlet either, um, or anybody, and anybody to play with, like, it's hard to watch things on television. Um, like I, I watched a, a, I think it was a Netflix special of Run the Jewels doing a concert for before voting. And like, it had a fabulous lighting design behind this like concert done in a warehouse. And I just broke down in tears because I can't watch it. It's getting hard to watch. Um, 
somebody doing the thing. <laughs> so. Oh, that sucks, Amanda. I'm so sorry. It's, it, it's out of everyone's control. It's just. Yeah. If it, it does, you know, when, when we are the, the people that we socialize with all the time, it, 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 it is hard. You know, it's, it's, a few I don't remember when North Texas giving day number two happened like that was like a few weeks ago it seems like a hundred years ago I don't remember but I and I've said it before there was at one point where I was kind of we were doing like a live stream thing and uh I said the words I didn't even think about it and I said the words out loud I said house is open and I got like even now saying those words gets me a little emotional because who the fuck knows when we're going to hear those words again, you know? And it doesn't seem like it's, it's hard. Part of the reason it's hard is because the rest of the world seems to have gone on. But our industry, we're like in this weird limbo. And some of us are creating stuff, but that's not fundamentally what we do. The stuff we're creating, although awesome and cool, is not what we're super, 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 super good at. You know, and that's real difficult. We're entering into a, a, a new phase. And I know, I know you experienced this too, Amanda, in a leadership position at ATPAC, and I do too. Because typically, because we work in the arts, our, all our decisions are at least in part informed by emotion, you know, and how we feel. And that's really important. We've reached a point, I'm, I'm getting to your comment about people having to do everything in house um, and us not being able to work with artists as much that are outside of our, our basic staff. That are that our like, family. That are our family. But we're, we're all reaching a point where how do we survive, mm -hmm. you know, and and it's not pretty. It's like, the, how do I keep permanent staff working um, in all of this? Um, and fortunately, we have a talented full-time staff that has been able to pivot and do several things. But it also, I mean, the, the, the artistic drain on companies is, <laughs> is huge because yeah, we're creating new things. But think about what we could be creating if we had a full artistic staff. Mm -hmm. That's um, I'm happy everybody is excited about like what the new what this new world looks like, and we're coming up with some interesting things. But it, you know, maybe it's just my tendency to like not stay in my lane when I'm doing a show. You know, I feel like you know I, I butt in and I contribute a lot. I think on the on the on the brainstorming side of a production and I just wonder with all the designers gone like what would we have come up with if we were helping you yeah figure out what this new world looked like but yeah we but we can't be there <laughs> and who knows so I don't think I I don't feel like well, we're not going to be back to normal by 2021 and by the beginning of 2022 we're not going to be back to normal but i do really believe that we'll be headed that way like 
it's going to be moving that way. It's not going to be like a faucet on faucet off thing, you know, moving forward. I think things will start creeping forward. Now, is everyone going to make, is ever going to survive that? Well, probably not. Um, but yeah, there's evidence by what people are doing now. People are not giving up. We're trying to find solutions and everyone's going to continue to find solutions moving forward that are hopefully going to incorporate more people. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, as much fun as we're having and we are, I mean, it is fun. The, the thing that we're doing and, and like it came from theater three and the immigrant, like that was, it, it is fun and it is interesting, but I think we're also beginning to see that, that people want to be in a place together. And I think we're going to find ways to do that and be able to start incorporating um, bigger teams. I, I hope so. I mean, Ugh. Ugh. Well, there's a will. There sure as hell is a will. There are some things that are in place that are preventing us from doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and they include letters. So, um, yeah, you know, there's. So at some point. Yeah. Well, and like I said, gonna... I, I, it's not like I've given up hope about it. You know, I actually got a call the other day from a company I've never worked with to not necessarily do lighting for a digital project. We'll see. Um, it, it'll be like what everybody else is doing is just using my talents in a different way and we'll see what happens. So I might yeah. have something to get excited about, but I don't, I don't know what it is yet. <laughs> Making it up. <laughs> so. Claudia, what are you excited about? Yeah. What, what, yeah. I was about to ask Claudia. Um, I mean, I think I'm excited. Uh, I don't know. I'm excited the more and more that I see different digital productions coming out. Like I think like the different, the different ways that they're happening is really cool and really fun. Um, like my dad had called me the other day and he was like, when do you think, uh, like, when do you think this will be back? Like theater will be back. And, uh, and I was like, I don't know, like 2021, 2022, whatever. And he's like, well, do you think that when theater's back, that theaters will still do that, like digital productions? And I was like, I don't know. And I was like, I don't know. I think the idea of it is really cool, but I think by the time we are able to be back in a space, everybody's gonna be so excited to be back in a live setting that it'll just go right to that. And I think that's what I'm excited for is the day that we get to be back. Yeah. That's going to be something. I think I'm going to break down. Like I'm already warning everybody like that first production that we get to all be in a room together. I will probably weep. Yeah. As, as cynical as I am, I'm like, I really like miss it. <laughs> I, I had a moment very similar to your houses open moment when I worked on it really, it felt like the first thing I got to do. Um, and put together with a group of my friends was the the red alert um, demonstration, um, which was drawing attention to extending pandemic unemployment um, uh, assistance and you know lighting up buildings and red across the city. And it brought 
a group of workers to, everybody was so happy to be here um <laughs> it was they came in their work clothes they brought their tool belts they got to play with lights and um I, I spoke to everyone before we started work for the day about COVID safety of how we were going to do the call. And I turned on the mic and I said, check one, two. And it felt so weird. Wow. <laughs> like, and then somebody's phone went off while I was giving a speech. And I said, please silence yourself. <laughs> I was talking from another dimension, you know? <laughs> from the past yeah it was it was beautiful hard weird day but uh, it was the closest thing to making something together i had done now we've done a handful of shows here at the performing arts center now which was also incredibly weird um, we've we've activated the outdoor space but it's it's not the same as participating in a designer way. Again, right. I'm watching somebody else do it. Um, and that the outdoor venues aren't the same as an indoor theater too. We're supposed to do an indoor show on September 20th in the Winter Opera House. I mean, uh, November 20th. <laughs> I'm like, I'm still like gonna believe it when I see it. And how, like, how is that? being handled like is it just a, i mean surely it's like limited people okay, yeah. attending the the capacity of the opera house as we've marked everything out it's normally you know 2200 it's now going to be 680 which is going to be striking to look at if and there's no doubt will not be that many people that attend i'm certain of that um it's a dance company who is quarantining they're moving into a house together for two weeks before they come here um traveling we all start getting covid testing next week get tested once a week <laughs> before they come um it's a remarkable amount of time and expense to try to make sure everybody is safe doing it and i feel like I'm still not going to believe it's happening till it's happening. Um, but somebody feels like somebody's got to be the first one to put their toe in the water. And yeah. it's scary. <laughs> what company is it? Can you tell, can yeah. you tell oh, yeah. us? I mean, tickets are, it's for a Parsons dance. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I don't even know what to say. I'm just, I'm excited when we can have like four audience members in the in the house again. What were you going to say, Jeffrey? I was going to make a stupid joke. Um, make a stupid joke. I was like, I, well, the National Spitting Championships are looking for a venue. I don't know <laughs> with that. Uh, be, no. um, <laughs> you know what? Uh, we did a draft uh, show outside, and we're probably going to do another one. Everybody needs a place to perform right now. Those girls need their tips. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and it was that was the best time we had. <laughs> all time. They were they were great. Yeah. You know, I was thinking things. about that. I was thinking about like like women who who work in uh like exotic dance places. What are they doing? 
how are they surviving? I'm concerned for these ladies. Seeing the occasional like drive through, <laughs> people have gotten creative. <laughs> I saw I saw like an article or something. I think it might have been in like Houston or maybe it was a different state. But straight up, just like big tents outside that you like roll up, and they're like in a little circle, and you just you know throw your cash out your car. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> All right. I'm looking forward to getting back to like, you know, Christy and I do this. And when I see Amanda, we, I mean, this is always a, a healthy part of the conversation mm -hmm. prior to COVID uh, is, was bitching about theater. <laughs> I want to get back to having enough theater to bitch about and complain right. about other designers and complain about other theaters and everything else. Right. I'm, I'm pissed off that I have to be so positive about what everybody else is doing and just <laughs> and encouraging and be like, hey, we're all working. I can't wait till I can go. Did you see that piece of trash? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I never say that. I actually never say that. Okay, maybe like twice a year. But uh. Hey, I want to ask a non-COVID related question to both of y'all since this is a design um, episode. So if you set aside COVID or don't set aside COVID, I don't care. What do you do when you get stuck on a design? What's your, what's your way of getting around sort of an, an impasse uh, to a solution? Claudia, do you want to go first? Sure. <laughs> um, I think I, um, it's changed over, over the like three years that I've really, or four years that I've really been doing sound, but it, it's usually, I will go and watch uh, like my favorite movies or movies that have really like impacted me in some way. Um, so like I'll go and I'll watch like Wally or um, like Lilo and Stitch. Like they're not, it's all like an animations, but, um, but like I'll go watch that or I'll go, um, or I just like, I have to like, step away and I will go and like walk my dogs and walk over to the dog park or something and just kind of let my brain stop thinking about it. And then when I come back, I usually can, can find something new or something that, that sparks to get the ball rolling again. I don't feel like I get stuck very much. I know that sounds weird, but I, I think it's the way I brainstorm, which is, uh, and I don't know, I, somebody I learned about this philosophy from somewhere which it's adjacent to possible does anyone know this theory where the um basically like the I've heard it described like a chessboard like all you have to do is make a move and that means there are now three more types of moves that can happen and so for each move that you make, it opens up more possibilities and you can always go backwards. You, did, you can't undo the move that you made. Um, so I just put as many ideas out as I can into the universe. <laughs> and the more I make, one of the odds of one of them being good <laughs> improves with the more ideas that I put out. And I can always go back. Um, so I just try to spit out for myself as many ideas as I possibly can first until I find the one. And then half the time it comes to me in a dream anyway. <laughs> no, but that's like, that's interesting that you say that because that is like one of my 
major like influences like as an artist like someone that i look up to you know far away mentor right like they, is david lynch i love david lynch as a director and he considers himself a painter before he considers himself a film director but that's what he says he talks about fishing in the universe and so like i someone gifted me one of those master classes right um get get to watch someone amazing like 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 david lynch teach a class on filmmaking or whatever and I thought, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to watch David Lynch and he's going to tell me all the secrets of like how he actually made episode eight of Twin Peaks, The Return or whatever. And um, like the whole, practically the whole masterclass is David Lynch going like, be on time, have breakfast, be nice to the people that you're working with, say hello to everyone, you know, only do six takes, like stuff that are, that you're kind of like, Huh. And then finally the person says, yeah, but like creatively, like, how do you, what do you do? And he goes, you just have to go fishing in the universe. <laughs> and that's his answer. And I'm like, but it's true. But he does talk about ideas like that, where it's like, you just have to go with the idea. And if no matter what idea you go with, it's going to open up more avenues and he's very much about dream logic and stuff like that. So everything you say makes total sense in a David Lynch kind of way, Amanda, which, you know, maybe is no sense at all. I don't know. Maybe not. I'll, I'll stop babbling. The, I mean, the set for Jekyll and Hyde was a dream. <laughs> like, that's what happened. <laughs> and it was great. It was great. But see, this is what happens. This is what happens. It's so cool. And I say this all all the time and it's true as a director like it's as a director once you figure out that you don't have to have all the answers that you just have to have the kind of like idea for something and you hire good designers like good designers that you trust and you and i have worked together several times you just go this is what i want it to be like this is what's in my head and then if you have those good designers that are just like idea throwers it just kind of happens. It's so cool. That's what I like about being a director is that I just kind of like, in my dream, this is what happens. And then the designers all make it happen for you. They're, I mean, you guys are so invaluable to a process. It's crazy. Yeah, I, like, I'm glad, at least I tried to learn early on. And I think I figured it out kind of early. What, as a director, you know, early, early on, it was the thought process was like, okay, how can I bend everyone to my will? You know, I, I see it all in my head, you know? So now how can I, how can I casually convince all of the designers and everyone to do exactly what I want, you know? And you crash and burn pretty quickly yeah. when you do that. Um, and also no one wants to work with you. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's just so exciting when you that first sort of when a designer presents something, and you're like, oh wow! Yeah, yes. and the, and you've only you've only given like one kernel of a thought, like when you've said to a group of people, a group of designers, you go, this is what it it kind of looks like this in my head, ever, and then everybody's head is different, so they're gonna take that and open up those three other avenues. And then they come back and show you something 
like completely way out, but still has the kernel of the thing you wanted. And it's just the best, it's the best feeling. It's like, yeah, let's go with that. It's gotta be harder for lighting designers to, because there's not as much you can show prior to tech, uh, right? Articulating, well, I mean, I, I think it's true for sound too, articulating a, an invisible <laughs> um, uh, form um, and communicating what you're gonna try to do with that is, yeah. There, there are some directors who just cannot see uh, in quotation marks what you're what you're trying to to say mm -hmm. <laughs> that you're doing um literally until the lights are on they do not know what you're talking about i don't <laughs> understand that um, I, I do not get that yeah i'm like you have to visualize have, have visualized this somehow i think in your own mind and so uh, <laughs> you know right <laughs> like you would hope uh yeah so that's that is super difficult but yeah. one of these days we're going to do that damn workshop that i've talked about for years right. where you put lighting designer it's a workshop for lighting designers and directors to sort of help facilitate that so directors have a better vocabulary to express what they want and a better understanding of the process of the lighting design process um because yeah, it, it, I, I've seen that breakdown so many times. Right. It's just that the director doesn't have the vocabulary or the understanding. Right, and you, I mean, that workshop needs to happen with sound too. Like I'm so lucky. And the thing that makes me realize it is that I am married to a sound designer and we know each other so well and we know each other's aesthetics so well that like I can turn to John and I can go, it's this, that jazz thing from like, you know, like this movie or whatever, and he will know exactly what I mean, or he'll say something to me and I'm like, yes, that's it. And sometimes when I'm working with a new sound designer, you have to build a whole new language with that person. But if you have that already, it's easier. And I just, I can't imagine, I can't imagine as a director, like not, not being interested in those things, not, having at least an idea of of what it will all mean when it's when it's put together it's that's that's nuts to me <laughs> thank you so much i get to bitch about fear. <laughs> it's just insane like how can you not have an idea that's dumb i agree <laughs> i i have every like Every time, like you and like Christy and Jeffy, well, I don't understand why they wouldn't have an idea. I like think back to like the like my la my senior year in college, like every director having like no idea what they wanted from sound, and I'm like, cool. Then I'm just gonna do what I think, and then I give it to them, and they're like, no, that's not what I wanted, and I'm like, well, you didn't tell me. And then working with you with Chrissy, right. funny. I was like, oh, she understands. She gets it. What? Like, wow, <laughs> what a difference! Yeah, that's being married to a sound designer for many, many years. Everyone should marry. Is it a is it a um, product of like BFA programs or grad school programs that prepare you for like high like lore and above? you know, um, where, you know, ideally in a, in a Lort situation, you're going to be handed amazing designers and they just 
do what they do and you don't have to have the conversation or no, um, but that's not true because I've, yeah. I mean, I've had the great privilege and, and, and luck to work at Lort theaters as a director and you, and as an actor and, and you don't, the director never just lets yeah. the, the, the director has always has something to say a, visually like about the entire aesthetic. So yes, you get a group of designers around you that know exactly what their job is. And if you were to leave them alone and say, I don't know what the hell I want, they will be able to hand you something amazing, but it's always better, isn't it? It's always better when it's a conversation instead of do something and then you get to tech and they're like, no, I don't like that. Oh, let me rephrase it then. Is it a matter of poor advertising of practicums? Yes. So is that what it is where, you know, acting students or directing students have got to do that damn lighting practicum, that damn scene design practicum, but no one ever, you know, advertises those. This is going to be the most amazing class of your entire college career. Is that it? I mean, perhaps, because I, I really do think it, it, if, an, if a director is not engaged in those conversations, it, it comes from a place of disinterest, not. I also think it comes from a place of, of extreme privilege. And I'll tell because now I'm gonna walk back a little bit. I have worked with directors at Lort Theaters that come from particular grad programs, director training programs, where their word is law, even if they don't know what the fuck that word is. <laughs> and they have been trained to, to not be collaborative. They have been trained to go, it's my way or the highway. And they don't even know what they want. So when you bring them something, they're like, no, that's not it. Well, what is it? Well, I don't know, but it's my way. And I mean, so I think it, it's both of those things. And there are some, there are particular director training programs that, that tr tr train the, the, the person into thinking that they're, the most important thing in the room when you're not, when the, the, you're not, you, you are there to guide everybody else as a director. It's, but they're bringing their artistry to your vision. And if you do your job well as a director, then probably nobody will ever mention you. Yeah. I mean, like the ascension of the director didn't really happen until halfway through this, uh, the past century. I yeah. mean, Prior to like 1960, often sometimes, or I'm not sure exactly exactly when they wouldn't even list a director in a play. You know, the first production of the play. You know, they weren't. Yeah, it wasn't their thing. It was the actors. Yeah, old school companies, like old school companies, were the actors decided who came in and directed the play, and then it was just like you're just here to, you know, tell me if it looks good or not. Yeah, it was like the diva who decided who was the director. Man, let's go back to those days. <laughs> I've had the opposite experience too, and with alert director who want to be so involved in the creative process, like, like in, in every, every conversation was about how it was advancing the storytelling every step of the way and acknowledge that lighting played a part in that which is that's that's the biggest gap i think is that 
it, it's not just lighting and making it beautiful. It's not just moving from place to place. Like it can be an active participate in the storytelling if you let it. Yeah. And if you're interested in in having it be so. So yeah, that's so true. I Amanda designed Real Women Have Curves for me. Um, and that was such a beautiful lighting show. It was so beautiful, Amanda. I mean, I like, I still, those transitions were just gorgeous and you caught, you captured everything that I wanted in those transitions and they were so much a part of the storytelling. Um, it, I, I, you know, I did not start out directing that show like super, super excited because I was not super, super excited about that show. But the fact that I had people like you who like totally understood what I was trying to do and then delivered and then some, it was, it made it everything. It was so great. And it can be so subtle, like, like Amanda, so many of the designs you've done at Theater 3, I mean, that main plane space is 20 feet by 20 feet. At first glance, you go, oh, that's so small. That's so easy. But the amount, the amount of, of, visual storytelling you can do leading the audience's eye from one corner to the next um it's amazing you know we talked about in terms of sound design how our first watch of it came from theater three before the all the sound was laid in and we kept saying wait wait for the sound wait for the sound and suddenly it informed everything everything like those times when jeffrey and i would be watching just like like i guess dailies or rough cuts or whatever and everybody not Claudia, but others would be watching with us and they'd be like, what is happening? And we're like, just wait for the sound, wait for the sound. And then when Claudia put in the sound, it was like, oh my God, that's terrifying. And I'm like, yep. I actually had this crazy design thought last night. I'm reading this, um, this series of fantasy books from the 70s. It's so 70s. But um, uh, Is there sex? Uh, yeah, yeah. But like the cover of this fantasy book, is this dude with a red cape on, no shirt, a sword, and blue jeans. Like, it's hysterical. Dude's rock. Um, dude's rock. Uh, dude's rock. Well, anyway, so there was this mention of, you know, there's more than one way to, to get to a destination, and talking, uh, the, the guy who's narrating the book. And it started me down this path of thinking about how far you could travel on Theater three's stage in that 20 by 20 box. Um, like, how could you do a journey of a hundred miles or something in that tiny little, you know, space that would be really interesting. Anyway, I don't know what show that goes to, but it was just a random design thought in the middle of the night. Well, put write that one down because <laughs> it just piqued my interest, and I'm going to talk to Claudia later about it. But also, I just can't wait till we get the opportunity. To, to do either The Elephant Man or something like The Elephant Man because what you guys had planned just fucking blew my mind. Like Jeffrey just showing me those things, like, in, like roughly, I was like, this is going to blow people's minds and we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. Um, yeah, no, you write it down in your schedule. It's gonna happen. <laughs> 2025. <laughs> oh. <laughs> any any parting thoughts? What do you what do you guys what are you guys looking forward to? What are you guys looking forward to for the holidays? What do you have planned for the holidays? More specifically. Not one thing. 
we were just talking about that the other night. Like, we don't, I don't know if the holidays are a thing. Are they happening? Are people doing stuff? I don't know. I'm making it happen. I've already done I have my Christmas tree up already. Yeah, I've already <laughs> waiting on the tree. But yeah, we've, uh, I've gone full Christmas spirit, broken out the Christmas records. It's, I'm, I'm ready. I'm so ready for Christmas. <laughs> We need a little Christmas right this very minute. Um, cool. What else, Jeffrey? That's it. I always hate to end these because it's so much fun to talk with everybody. But um, I'm sure everyone who's listening, all three of y'all have gotten to your destination. The Hanson now. brothers, yeah. The Hanson brothers, that's right. In, in case you didn't know, Amanda, the Hansons are big fans. Of yeah. Our only fans. Yeah, the only, the only ones. Yeah. So Claudia and Amanda, thank you so much for talking to us today. And uh, we gotta we gotta hold fast. We're gonna get back together again soon, and we're gonna make some amazing theater. Yeah, I believe yeah. it. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week on Uptown Drama. <laughs>